0: The Sports Bar Daniels on this uh, Thursday on Saturday, UCF will be in Ormond, Oklahoma as they'll take on the uh, Sooners and a lot of storylines, UCF trying to snap out of a three-game losing streak and a big challenge against one of the top teams in the country, of course Dylan Gabriel, Jeff Lebby, uh, Toby Rowland is the uh, great play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, And it's kind to give us some time as uh, radio play-by-play guys. That's what we do. I was on his show this morning. He's on my show. Like I said this morning, we're dinosaurs that still juggle the uh, radio show and calling all these sports. So uh, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. How are you?
1: Uh, I haven't talked to you in forever, Mark. It's great (laughs) to hear from you.
0: (laughs) Hey, I want to start here. Take me through, uh, because as I was explaining to you this morning, two weeks ago, I'm sitting there at Kansas, and we're doing our pregame show, and I'm watching... Uh, what was just, uh, look, I think the two best games in college football this year have been Texas, Oklahoma, and uh, Washington and Oregon. So you're there at the Cotton Bowl in the middle of that great uh, uh, setting. Take me through as you're watching the final two drives of of that game and how uh, it, it unfolds and obviously the significance of it for Oklahoma.
1: Well, I mean, anybody who who hasn't had the opportunity to go to that game, whether you're an OU or Texas fan or not, if you ever have the chance, you should take advantage of it. It's such a unique and awesome setting. And um, they've played a lot of very entertaining, great games through the years against each other. Last Saturdays, or two weeks ago now, ranks near the very top. Uh, It was an incredible game back and forth all day and Texas scores to take the lead uh with a minute 17 to go and you thought well i mean here we go um you know there have been quite a few you know, detractors or doubters maybe of Dylan Gabriel since he arrived at OU and whether that's fair or not it's, uh, it's probably not but they did go 6 and 7 last year and they're not used to that around here and so it was his opportunity to really win over the Oklahoma fan base and that last drive will be one that will be remembered forever among Sooner Nation I mean it was uh it was crisp it was five plays it was right down the field couple of times Dylan had to uh escape pressure and make a play especially that final touchdown pass so uh just an epic drive took a minute two off the clock and Uh, It happened to be on the OU into the Cotton Bowl, which created for some great photography on that uh, final touchdown, but avoided the Hail Mary. Not everybody avoided the Hail Marys uh, the last couple of weeks, but (laughs) Texas has got knocked down, and Oklahoma got obviously a, a massive win for this 2023 season. And as we said at the time, a massive win for the legacy of Dylan Gabriel. It was really something Brent Venables needed here in year two after the way last year went. So for a lot of reasons it was a it was a big day for Sooner fans.
0: You mentioned about last year and um you know it's funny in our state here right now, uh despite five and two, Billy Napier takes heat. Mario Cristobal takes heat. Mike Norvell did his, uh, his second season as well. Gus is building a roster to compete in the Big twelve and and just preparing for this game against Oklahoma and, and you know it firsthand. The roster turnover has been significant in Oklahoma, which is rare, but we're in a NIL transfer portal world. Just give me a, a small version of the deep dive of how uh, this staff has turned over the roster in a couple of years.
1: Well, they lost several guys to USC, both off the pass team and in recruiting. So Venables was kind of behind the eight ball when he took over uh, that December after Uh, Lincoln Riley left for the West Coast. So they had to do, uh, and Venables came from Clemson, and you're aware of kind of Dabo Sweeney's feeling about the transfer portal. So he was a little bit slow to embrace the portal, but really had no option in year one to fill out the roster. He had to go get some guys. And then uh, last year really is when he, he put together a nice recruiting class. But after year one is really where they made, significant inroads they had a, a top 10 by some accounts top five recruiting class and picked up some huge transfers in the portal that have been able to help them right away this year their left tackle uh, tackle Walter Rouse came from Stanford andre Anthony a wide receiver came from Michigan who unfortunately is lost for the season now he got injured in that Texas game but uh, he was a big time pickup obviously Dylan Gabriel, back when when Venables first got the job, came out of the portal. Rondell Bothroyd on the defensive line this year is a Wake Forest transfer. Dejan Terry came from Tennessee. Jacob Lacey came from Notre Dame. I mean, on and on and on. Secondary's got a couple of guys. So it has been pickups who have been able to get right into the two deep and make plays and help right away. You know, you never know with transfers whether they're going to um, add to your team or not be a good chemistry fit. It's a, it's a coin flip. And so far, it has pretty much across the board been positive in the transfers that they've been able to pick up. I think ultimately, Venables would like to lean less on the portal and, and build the four-year model. Um, I think that's how he believes that a program has longevity. But um, at least here early, when he's really needed it, they've hit in the transfer portal pretty big.
0: You asked me this morning about UCF fans' feeling of Dylan Gabriel, and I said I think there's a, you know, a percentage of bitter because no one wants to have someone leave them. You want to be able to tell them when you're done with them. Um, but I think the majority of people root for Dylan and wish him well. I'm curious, though, different when a coach leaves, uh, are Oklahoma fans happy – when USC loses?
1: (laughs) No, they are ecstatic. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, I would say um, it is maybe a bit unhealthy how much Oklahoma fans pay attention to USC and avidly root against them. Um, You have to understand that with Oklahoma football, what Lincoln Riley did doesn't happen. Like, they consider themselves a blue blood and one of the top five or six programs in American in the history of college football. And nobody has ever left Oklahoma football before for another job. I mean, they either retire and we build a statue for you, like Barry Switzer and Bud Wilkinson and Bob Stoops, or you don't cut it and get fired. You don't leave us to go somewhere else. It's just never happened before. And so people were angry, bitter. They still are. On top of that, you know, like I said, some players went with him. Some recruits went with him. There were some hard feelings in that. Some staff went with him. So it's been ugly, frankly. And it will will be good eventually that OU fans can – uh, feel good about what they have and move on, but it's going to be hard to do. I think they will always root against Lincoln Riley and, and USC as long as uh as long as he's there.
0: Well, we talked about uh, a, a little bit about Dylan. What, what what obviously his health is the biggest thing, but but what else has stood out about him? And the offense, I'm just curious, because look, the numbers were not good for Oklahoma's defense last year. You talked a bit about the portal where they've had some guys step in, but it's a much better defense. So, what are some things that have stood out why they're better?
1: So, uh, about Dylan or about the defense? I'm sorry.
0: Both, actually. The offense and and a a healthy Dylan, and then also what's been better on the defense.
1: Yeah, I'll start with Dylan. So, two things uh, about him this year. One, he's got a backup quarterback that they trust. They have brought in a, a Five, like the five-star freshman Jackson Arnold, who is a hot shot, and I'm not here to tell you he's going to be great, but at least he's looked good when he's been given opportunities and they're very excited about his future. That wasn't the case last year. And so Dylan has been asked and is capable of making plays with his legs, and they were very reluctant to do that with him last year because they didn't trust the backup situation. When he did get hurt last year, they were terrible. They just couldn't do anything offensively when Dylan Gabriel wasn't out there. So they they did not ask him to make plays with in with his legs. They couldn't afford for him to get hurt. This year they do, and he has, and it has tremendously added to the effectiveness of their offense. The Texas game is the best example. He rushed for over a hundred yards in that game. So that's one, two. In close games, and they played a lot of them last year, they had five losses of a single score. In close games last year, Dylan did not make the clutch plays in the clutch moments. Big third down, big fourth down passes. When you had to go get a score or you had to possess the ball to keep it away because you had a lead late, he would throw it behind a guy or over a guy. He, just, he came up short in the clutch moments last year. This year, he has been ultimate clutch. Um, You know, there was a game early in the season against SMU where they closed within a field goal in fourth quarter, and he took the ball and went on two long-scoring drives and put that game away. And then obviously, like we mentioned, the Texas game is the other opportunity he's had. A minute 17, he goes down and beats your arch rivals. So uh, he has won over... Sooner fans, and they've won football games because he's delivered in the big moments this year. Defensively, uh, they have another year under the Brent Venable system, so that helps. He runs a very complicated defense. He's a great defensive mind, but last year there was certainly some confusion. Year one, guys not knowing if they were in the right place, not trusting it. There is much more comprehension now from the guys who have been here for a couple of years of what they're supposed to do in the Brent Venable system. That's important and they have fortified the talent both through transfer portal and some incoming true freshmen who have been big impacts for them right away. Peyton Bowen, a safety, uh, P.J. Adabala Ray, a defensive end, have made big plays for this team. So depth of talent, combined with year two in the Brent Venable system, has, I think, allowed for them to be significantly better here this season. Well,
0: last question, and Oklahoma's leaving, so it doesn't matter. So they go to the uh, to the SEC. But in, in, in this first uh, journey uh, through the Big 12 for UCF, and look, Knight's got to do end of the bargain by winning some games. What has stood out, and, and you know this, and even though Oklahoma and Texas seem to be Maybe the cream of the crop, but I'll give Mike Gundy credit. They found a way to get up off the dust. This league just beats each other up every single week. And, and teams that you think, oh, well, they're not going to... All of a sudden, Oklahoma State's found a quarterback. All of a sudden, Iowa State is 3-1 and one in the league. All of a sudden, West Virginia with a coach in a hot seat. Even though they get beaten Hail Mary. I mean, that's the Big 12. And as you exit and UCF fans are getting used to this league, that's been this league for a while, hasn't it? With the exception of the dominant years of Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I think that that's one thing that is great about this conference is that sure, you've had some, some teams up and have tremendous years. I think of, of Baylor a couple of years ago, had a team that made a run at a potential college football playoff spot. And there have been others. Oklahoma state certainly has TCU last year. How could I forget them? They played in the national championship game, but across the board, you've got a lot of programs that similar football programs specifically here. You know, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, West Virginia, Baylor, all of those programs historically and even over the last 15, 20 years have had pretty overall similar results, which what you're saying is they kind of all just, beat each other up every year and you just see who's at the top of the pile who's left standing at the end the same could be said for basketball with the exception of kansas obviously kansas has been the cream of the crop but it is a brutal basketball league because of the very same reason and and maybe even a higher caliber play in basketball than football in the big 12 uh, through the years but I think the teams that have been added are are similar as well, and it's going to make it fascinating to watch. UCF has had um, a great last decade on the gridiron. Cincinnati went to a college football playoff. BYU's got a, a great history. Uh, Houston hasn't been as good of late, but they've had uh, some history as well. So I think the and, and the new teams that are coming in, the sure. Pac-12 teams. So I think the Big 12 is going to be a fascinating conference to watch going forward because it seems to me. It's going to be extremely balanced, which is going to make for a really fun fight.
0: Uh, Thank you for the time. Uh, Like I said, we'll bring that Orlando 80-degree temperature out there for Saturday, so I appreciate that, and uh, I'll see you in a couple of days.
1: Thanks, Mark. Safe travels, bud.
0: Thank you. Toby Rowland, the long-time play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma Sooners. Cam Miller, a recap of last week in college football. Some things to watch uh, this weekend coming up next.